0: Listeners, we are talking about the book Lessons in Chemistry, which is a great brilliant book, and we'll go in depth on it, but we do want to give a quick content warning Uh, the narrative of the book involves uh, sexual assault, it involves uh, suicide, Uh, there are many trigger warnings uh, that would go along uh, with this text, that while saying that, is also a delightful read, so it's a very interesting balance that we're going to get into as we talk about it, but I just want to let you know that uh, at the top of the episode. And welcome to The Protagonist Podcast, For each week we look at a great character and a great story. I'm Joe Dorowski, and this week we're discussing Elizabeth Zott from the novel Lessons in Chemistry. And joining us for the discussion is returning guest, Kate Reed.
1: Welcome back, Kate. Thank you. Excited to be back.
0: Oh, very excited to have you. And just to get it out of the way, this is uh, the Kate Dorowski who co-authored... Uh, Frasier, A Cultural History, and Cheers, A Cultural History with me. Uh, so uh, your married name is Reed, but we have had you on, I believe, as Kate Dorowski. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I don't think I've
1: been on since being a Reed.
0: Oh, okay. Well, we are talking about Lessons in Chemistry, which is a 2022 novel written by Bonnie uh, Gamis. And it tells the story of Elizabeth Zott, a single mother, brilliant scientist, and famous television cook in 1950s and 60s America. Kate, we always ask, how did you come to uh, a particular uh, text that we're going to discuss on this? Do you remember how you came to Lessons in Chemistry?
1: Oh, I do. And I am delighted you asked. It is actually a pretty good story. Um, last year, 2022, for Christmas, two or three of my best friends um, and I, instead of just whatever gifts, we each gave each other our favorite book from the year and like I gave each of them the same book and they gave each of us the same book. Um, And we did like a FaceTime together to open them. And I went opening each of their books and they each gave me lessons in chemistry. (laughs) Fantastic. (laughs) It was each of their favorite books Or each of their favorite book, and uh, I now have two copies, and they each have (laughs) their own copy from each other, and they both just raved and raved about it. I had seen it as, like, just, like, visually, this book is popular, but I knew nothing about it until they gave it to me.
0: What book did you give them, just out of curiosity?
1: I gave them a book called Nora Goes Off Script by Annabelle Monahan. Um, And it's just about a a divorced mother who writes a book and it becomes a a movie. And then they start filming and she starts dating the mega Hollywood star of the film. And it just was very lovable book and kind of hallmarky, but great writing. A
0: a cozy romance, right?
1: Yes, it's the perfect description. Cozy romance.
0: All right. Well, uh, I knew about this book because I saw the pink cover several times in bookstores. And <laughs> then I visited you and you raved about it. And my wife, Emily, uh, borrowed it from you and read it. And then I borrowed it from Emily, your copy. So you said you had two copies. You might only have one.
1: <laughs> I have none now. I When I got both, I shipped one to mom and dad. Oh, um, well, to mom, but then dad took it immediately and read it first, and then mom, and then I think mom's giving it away to someone, and then you guys came, and I gave it to Emily. So <laughs> we'll get just it making back to the rounds. <laughs> yes, it's what books sh- should do. They should yes. be passed around.
0: Yes, exactly. I I fully agree that a book should have many lives, and many readers. Uh, so uh that's when i f- like really first heard what it was about was when you were praising it uh when we came and visited you and then emily really liked it and so i was like oh it's probably one that we should cover on the podcast and i didn't know much what to expect but i was taken so quickly with the world and the characters and elizabeth Zott. this is uh definitely my favorite book i've read in a while like as far as like new novels uh that you know are gonna are gonna slide into the, into my top list. It is an amazing book. so the a very big recommendation <laughs> to to our <laughs> listeners for uh, lessons in chemistry. And then the more I start to look into it for, like finding trivia for this discussion, I became more and more interested in the author, uh, Bonnie Gamis, and uh, the story behind this book. And I like it even more. Like the more I find out about some of the behind the scenes and, and the prep stuff uh, for it, the, the more I liked it. So some of that trivia. This is the author's debut novel. And it was published when she was 64 years old.
1: <laughs> and, it's amazing.
0: And it, like the the prose is so confident but also unexpected like there are choices that this novel makes that are not the safe choice of you know a first-time writer just trying to get published you know what i mean like yeah a dog narrates a chapter
1: <laughs> and multiple they, chapters yeah, yeah things like that. <laughs> it's a main character
0: <laughs> yes a dog named 630 becomes a main character that will tell us uh some of the action uh and that's not like a I'm just gonna like try try not to ruffle any feathers and just get this thing published. That is the move. It feels like of like a veteran that's, um, you know, uh, no, uh, both confident in in their craft, but also confident that this thing's gonna get published because their name is already established. And that's just not the case here. That's so, true. That's
1: that's a good point. That it's not a. You do that when you have many bestsellers and you can do whatever you want.
0: Yeah, you have the cachet uh, yeah. <laughs> to, to you know be a little more experimental. <laughs> And also just, like, the overall tone. Like, I don't even know how to describe this this book. Like, if I'm trying to tell someone what it, what it feels like as you read it. Because you really do swing from, like, laughing to anger. And then, like, angry laughing. <laughs> and then sad. And then you
1: heartbroken <laughs> yes. and want to cry. But then you're so mad at the same time. It's,
0: and then you're just delighted a at, at a sentence. And, and the way it gets written. Oh, <laughs> it's so good. Um, The like inception for this was body gamus working as a copywriter and creative director, uh, or, or that was part of her job. So she worked in the U S Switzerland and Colombia, and now England. And she was inspired to write about issues facing women in the workplace based on some of her own lived experience as a professional woman. She recalls a specific moment when a male colleague took credit for her work and channeled it into what she calls constructive anger. And she wrote the first chapter of this book that night. <laughs> <laughs> and I think this, the, uh, The story, if I'm remembering right, I didn't put it in here, is that she had, like, pitched something on, and it was on a PowerPoint slide, and then a male colleague, like, no one reacted, and a male colleague pitched almost the exact same thing, and the slide was still up on the screen, and everyone was like, that's a really good idea.
1: And
0: oh goodness <laughs> to, to, to the man <laughs> and she was so angry she started writing this book that became a bestseller so goodness that is good constructive anger i guess i mean it shouldn't happen <laughs> but if, if you, it happens you
1: take that yeah you channel
0: it into a bestseller and uh um, you know it's going to be adapted into a tv miniseries so you're, yeah okay <laughs> um so another part of the book that comes is that she has an intimate knowledge of competitive rowing because she was a professional rower and, or competitive oh, wow. rower. And yeah, the like with books it's so often like, you know, uh if someone's into a sport, it's, you know, the running, their casual runner or, you know, something you just kind of can go do at a local um tennis court, you know, something like that. Mm-hmm. But it, she was like really into like the language and jargon of rowing and the descriptions of the you, the the pain. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, the muscles that like get worked yes. when when you're rowing. And I was like yeah. this doesn't feel like casual familiarity with this or like read research and this
1: is someone who knows years worth of this pain
0: um and she also tells a story that when she was researching writing this book she decided okay she's dealing with frustrations of gender dynamics that she lived you know i'm assuming in the 2000s like in this century but if she just sets it back further, there's going to be less of the Well, it's not like that anymore. Pushback immediately. <laughs> oh, you know, it's
1: just. Oh,
0: sad. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but in, in to do that, some of the things that she did was like, she got a decades old chemistry book uh, and studied that and actually did something experience it, uh, that were in that chemistry book and actually had the fire department called to her house because.
1: <laughs> oh my goodness.
0: Of a, uh, uh, you know, uh, so something that she doesn't go into details, but something happened as she was doing these decades old, chem- you know, uh, experience from a decades old chemistry book.
1: So she herself is not a chemist. No. I kind of assumed she was the way she writes it. Yeah. uh, Very impressive.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, So the the book, as we said, it's a bestseller. It's been on the New York Times bestseller list since it was released Um, at the time of this recording. So I put this together. We were going to record a few weeks ago and then uh, scheduling didn't work out. At that time, it was 58 consecutive weeks. So I'm going to guess it's like 60 or 61 consecutive weeks now at the time of this recording. Uh, and it was the Barnes & Noble's Book of the Year in 2022, and it has already been translated into 40 languages. Um, And Apple TV is producing a miniseries adaptation of the book that will come out the fall of 2023, and that stars Brie Larson in the lead role of Elizabeth Zott. And (laughs) while this is her debut novel, she sent out her first finished manuscript for a different book, and it was rejected almost 100 times before she moved on to this book. Lessons of Chemistry.
1: Oh wow! Another one of
0: those perseverance, uh, you know, pays off moments.
1: Oh my goodness! Where's I saw one book?
0: interviewer <laughs> say that they they were doing an interview with her after this book had become a phenomenon, and they like I I did ask if I could see that first manuscript, and she said no because she's going to be reworking it or or taking some elements of it for her next novel. She believes.
1: <laughs> Good for her! Wow. Yeah
0: um okay well before we move on to the full summary of this book we want to thank each and every one of you for downloading this episode and for listening and we especially want to thank any of you who support us on patreon if you'd like to support us financially we invite you to go to patreon.com slash protagonist and support our show with at least a dollar per month all supporters on Patreon at any level receive access to our special quick which are shorter episodes in which we talk about the media that we've been consuming, and that we are not yet covering as full episodes of the podcast. And we also give updates on our fantasy box office. And I will just say this year in the fantasy box office, I had both Super Mario Brothers and Barbie, and I believe I've won the year.
1: Crushing <laughs> it,
0: it. It's over. <laughs> And uh, all patrons and supporters of $5 per month or more get to choose a topic for us to discuss on the podcast. Now, on to the Spoiler Zone summary. In the 1950s, Elizabeth Zott is the host of a popular cooking show, Supper at Six. She is also a single mother to her daughter, Madeline. And we're going to jump back to learn how she ended up in that position. Elizabeth Zott was a talented chemist whose talent was wholly unrecognized at Hastings Research Institute in California. Uh, this was undeniably because she was the only woman in the building who was not a secretary. <laughs> I will just say also, as I'm doing the summary, the book bounces around quite a bit of like we're here now, we're back five years, now we're back even further, or now we're getting insights to something from 20 years ago. I'm largely going to follow what was presented in the book, um, but it may not be exactly because I wrote the summary a little bit after I finished it with the help of an online summary uh, that I found. <laughs> um, So uh, the most recognized chemist at Hastings was Calvin Evans. And at a certain point, Elizabeth is going to go to Calvin's palatial private lab to claim supplies after her requests have been ignored in her crowded lab where she works with many other men. Uh, He assumes that she is a secretary, which enrages her. She's intruding into a sanctuary, which enrages him. And that's how they meet. They had different paths to end up at Hastings. Calvin was brilliant and had offers to work basically anywhere in the world. But he heard the weather and the rowing conditions near Hastings were great. So he chose to work there. Elizabeth was well on her way to her PhD when her advisor raped her. She stabbed him in the the gut with a number two pencil. But the police and administration believed she must have been leading him on. So they would not press charges against him and instead kicked her out of the program. Uh, Hastings was the only job she could get without her completed PhD. Elizabeth's boss at Hastings is Dr. Donati, who doesn't want to help Elizabeth in her career at all, but a rich donor wants to fund research in her very specific area of expertise, and Donati accepts the funding, but mostly redirects the money to other men's projects and does not let Elizabeth even know that there is interest in her work. Calvin and Elizabeth meet again when Calvin vomits at her in a theater lobby, when they meet again after that he he realizes that she is a genius and they begin a strictly professional relationship diving into each other's work and bouncing ideas off one another while rumors fly that elizabeth is sleeping with the golden boy at work to improve her own opportunities it really is truly a strictly professional relationship though both are awkwardly trying to send signals to the other that it doesn't have to be strictly professional and they would actually rather like it to not be professional uh but they both fear That they won't see the other one anymore at all. If it's not strictly professional. I love this dynamic.
1: (laughs) They have (laughs) It's very well
0: written. (laughs) Uh, Finally though. There's a breakthrough and the kiss. And then they move in together. And Calvin is even going to propose marriage to Elizabeth. Even though she has made it clear. She does not believe in marriage. So she rejects that proposal. They open up about some of their family histories. Elizabeth had a brother who committed suicide. Calvin was adopted. And when his adoptive parents died. He uh, was sent to a Catholic boys school. Which was not. great place for him to be he suspected a mysterious donor who funded new books and educational opportunities for boys at that orphanage might be his real father but he could never prove it also just a side note calvin had a pen pal they stopped writing when calvin opened up about hating whoever his real father was elizabeth and calvin adopt a dog that they named 630 that's the time of night they found the dog on the street (laughs) and this dog is preposterously (laughs) smart and will narrate chapters in this book and uh, Elizabeth is going to like do tests to try and see how intelligent this dog is Uh, Calvin is a health nut he's always running uh, or rowing and he goes on runs with 630 Elizabeth buys them a new leash when the city passes a law banning unleashed dogs Calvin is on a run with 630 when a police car uh, backing out of the station backfires and this startles 630 who bolts which makes Calvin fall down and uh, because he's holding onto the leash and and then Calvin is run over by the police car and killed. And Elizabeth blames herself for his death. Shortly after his funeral, she realizes that she's pregnant, despite the birth control that they had been using. Because she is an unwed pregnant woman, she is fired from Hastings. Elizabeth has a neighbor, Harriet, who is in a sad, abusive marriage. Harriet watches Madeline while Elizabeth goes and looks for work. After looking everywhere for a job, she reaches out to Hastings again. And Donati is ecstatic to have Elizabeth back because he took all that funding. <laughs> about her research, but nobody actually (laughs) understands her work (laughs) that she was doing. And so they don't have any results for their donor. Uh, So she's going to return to work, but then Donati is going to publish her research under his own name. And there's a secretary there that uh elizabeth had a a feud with named miss frask and frask reveals that uh to elizabeth that a donor was paying for the research that she'd been doing and uh frask has mentioned like several times that she was working on a phd in psychology before she worked as a secretary at hastings and um now that they're kind of opening up to each other elizabeth asks why she never finished her phd and frask reveals that she was raped by her advisor and kicked out of her program uh while she was completing that and uh frask and elizabeth are going to have um a little bonding <laughs> over this shared <laughs> trauma that they experienced. Um, so we're going to jump ahead a little bit, and uh, Madeline is in kindergarten, and every day Elizabeth Thot makes her daughter a carefully, perfectly prepared meal that is exactly uh, measured for her health and growth and well-being, <laughs> and giving her the exact right nutrients. And she's going to send it to school with her. And but one of uh, Madeline's friends, Amanda, is eating. Madeline's lunch <laughs> and Elizabeth is furious when she finds this out and she goes to confront Amanda's father who works at a television studio. Uh Walter is Amanda's father and he's a television producer looking for a show to put on the air and he is just amazed at Elizabeth Elizabeth's presence and charisma. Not like he's not like romantically attracted to her. He just says, "You have it <laughs> to be on television. Uh she has the confidence and assurance that he knows will work on camera." And he wants her to be on TV. Uh, Elizabeth needs a job because she has quit Hastings after Donati st- stole her work. So she agrees, but she will not bend to producer notes about appearing more feminine, simplifying recipes, avoiding scientific explanations in her demonstrations. Uh, and uh, her show is proving popular, but. Uh, Walter's boss is just wanting to control Elizabeth and she's uncontrollable. So eventually, Walter's boss is going to summon her to his office to try and put her into her place. Walter had always prevented Elizabeth from ever being alone with his boss, but Elizabeth insists that she will take this meeting and Walter's boss attempts to rape Elizabeth, but she pulls out a kitchen knife from her purse and he has a heart attack. And after a moment, she decides to call 911. <laughs> uh, Walter is going to get his boss's job and Elizabeth Elizabeth show is going to find massive success in syndication around the country, despite Elizabeth explaining on air why she's an atheist and also that she is a single mother. Uh, Madeline makes friends with uh, a man named Reverend uh, Wakeley at the library. Uh, he is a church leader who is struggling with his faith, and he also happens to have been Calvin's old pen pal. And Reverend Wakely blames himself that Calvin died because he is the one who told Calvin that the weather here was great. And he says, if I never said that in a letter, Calvin never would have moved here, and he never would have died Mm -hmm. on that run. Lots of people are blaming themselves for Calvin's death. A writer named Roth interviews Elizabeth and writes an article about her for Life magazine. Uh, It is, he writes a very positive... article about her, but the editors butcher it and make Elizabeth sound scandal-plagued and unlikable. Roth is furious and sends Elizabeth his original article, but Elizabeth refuses to read anything from Roth because he she believes that he wrote the awful article about her. Harriet, who babysits Madeline, sees Roth's article the The good version and knows exactly what magazine would, would publish this pro woman article <laughs> that he had written. So Roth had tried to get his article published in like science magazines about women in science uh, and things, and everyone was rejecting it. But Harriet submits it to Vogue, and Vogue publishes it, and it becomes a very uh, beloved. It's a very successful article, and Elizabeth's reputation is kind of recovered. So Elizabeth discovers that Walter, uh, Walter's wife, had left him. And their daughter Uh, and Walter suspects that his daughter is not actually his, but uh, is from an affair that his wife had been having. And Walter has begun having a secret relationship with Harriet and Harriet is working on leaving her abusive husband. And Elizabeth is kind of excited about all this. But Elizabeth is going to break Walter's heart because she's going to say that she needs to leave her cooking show (laughs) because she wants to return (laughs) to science. Uh, But once she leaves the show, she cannot get any work in any lab. But Miss Frank, that secretary uh, that had uh, bonded with Elizabeth, uh, reaches out and says that um, Hastings wants to talk to Elizabeth about her research uh, because that mysterious donor has looked into things and (laughs) figured out that their money had been misused. And they want to speak to the person who actually was doing the research they were interested in. So uh, it turns out Avery Parker, a woman, uh, is the mysterious donor and her lawyer is Mr. Wilson. Uh, Avery has all the money, but must use Mr. Wilson for business purposes because nobody will respect a woman <laughs> this time. So Avery uh, Parker was Calvin's mother. She had an unplanned pregnancy as a teenager, and her family made her give the baby up for adoption. And the doctor told her that the baby was stillborn. And uh, Avery... Uh, Later, when she gets access to her family's money, she looks into everything around this baby's birth and realizes the baby was actually alive and uh, looks into the adoption. And Wilson is even able to track the baby to the orphanage where Calvin was raised raised but the bishop of that orphanage sensing that a guilty family might send funds that they wouldn't if they just reclaimed a child and didn't have any connection at all to the orphanage anymore tells wilson that calvin has died despite the best efforts of the orphanage to provide him with a safe home and wilson is going to send funds uh to the orphanage on behalf of avery in calvin's name uh so when calvin becomes famous when he wins a nobel prize later on uh avery recognizes uh both herself and her boyfriend in this man that's in the newspaper. (laughs) And she writes to Calvin, but Calvin never responds because he had lots of lost relatives who reach out after he won a Nobel prize. Now Mm. Avery wants to be in Elizabeth and Madeline's life if they will let her. And Elizabeth says that Avery is part of her family already. And Elizabeth is made the head of chemistry at Hastings. The end. I just want to say I love Elizabeth's Strange Family. <laughs> that is here <laughs> at the end of Harriet, uh, you know, the babysitter, and Wilson, the the TV producer, and uh, the the Reverend who's struggling with faith. <laughs> and, and Then the the birth mother of her husband that she never knew, and he never knew. Lovely
1: eclectic <laughs> group of <to> people. <laughs> yes.
0: Um. All right. What to talk about with this book? <laughs> is this... there something you? So you want to tackle much. right off the top? Yeah, I feel like we can just kind of go forever and not run out, uh, right? <laughs> but is there anything that you want to tackle right at the top?
1: Um, I feel like the number one thing when talking about this book with friends is, well, uh, with female friends, is that this was a very difficult read because it's it's very engaging. It's such good writing. You're in the story but it is infuriating and you feel it like immensely like in the pit of your stomach that this is real. And it happens to so many women stuff like this happens still today. And it's just a very hard read.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that is uh, when you say like stuff like this, that is the sexual harassment, the rape, it is the uh, not being given credit for ideas and work. it is uh the, the sense
1: uh, of women being dumb like mm-hmm. that oh they want a cooking show but it needs to be simple they don't like science they just want to look at a, another pretty woman like everything about it was just this concept of how women are supposed to be but n- no sense of what actually women could be
0: yes um and i think the novel does a great job of showing that frustration and ensuring that the reader feels it. But really, it's not as though like Elizabeth Zott stands on a soapbox very often and, you know, gives a speech about what it means to be no, a No, yeah. Uh, but it does absolutely permeate the work, this like simmering anger at the systems that are in place. And it is explicitly addressed at times where like Calvin just can't even understand why Elizabeth was having trouble getting resources? He's like, "You're doing good work. Ask for it, and, <laughs> and you're gonna get what you need." <laughs> and like, he's baffled <laughs> at the concept of, uh, you know, th- th- that her gender has denied her the the same opportunities that he has had. But then also, I think there's a some interesting moments where Calvin's like you need to let me help you because the system's unfair. And she's like, no, if I just, like, I need to do this myself. And he's like, mm, the system isn't going to let you do it this can't. yourself.
1: <laughs> you literally can't.
0: <laughs> the system is designed to prevent that. Now that he becomes aware of it, he, see, he like, he, once she points it out, I think he's able to see it even more clearly where she is almost in this mindset of, I see the system, I'm going to beat it. And he's kind of like, oh, no, this is completely rigged <laughs> in a way that <laughs> that you can't actually beat it. Right. Um and yeah, like you said it i i this is like me as a man <laughs> reading this book <laughs> yeah. that is by a woman about a woman's experience, and I felt that frustration, and I have not lived that experience as much, so, like you said, I can only imagine it is a very hard read at times when uh it is describing experiences that are still all too prevalent,
1: yeah, and you 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 read it and you you want it to not be true anymore, but you know it is and it's interesting how she said it back in the 1950s because it it might not get published if it was set too close to today because of the idea that it's that's not how we are today when you no, know, we really are in many ways <laughs> things are better but it still is very very true today still
0: yeah i was, i mentioned uh barbie uh when i was talking about the our, our fantasy box office there's one line in the barbie filming a film that is very funny where uh Ken is uh, made his way out of Barbie land. It is in the real world. And he discovers that in, in the real world, there's patriarchy. And he's like, oh, that's, that's different. I like that. <laughs> Tell me about this. <laughs> but he goes to a man at one point. Uh, and he's like, he's like, I'm looking around. And he's like, are you not doing patriarchy anymore? And the guy just bursts out laughing. He's like, oh, we are. We just hide it way better than we used to. <laughs> and uh, that, that it's kind of like, well, if I said it back in the 1950s, it can feel, so raw and open and uh, obvious that no one can say, well, it wasn't like that. Cause it was, but if I do it now, it's like, people are like, well, it's not really that bad. Is it
1: right? Is... Yeah. You want to just like deny it and be like, Oh no, we're better than that.
0: Mm-hmm. Which, which like you said, there have been improvements, <laughs> um, but mm-hmm. uh, you don't have to look very far for examples that feel so disturbingly close to things that are described in this novel.
1: Right. I mean, even, Our experience is equal co-authors, I still got left off emails. I still got, oh, can you track down Joe to respond to this? And as if I was your secretary and not your equal co-author.
0: Mm-hmm yeah definitely uh and, and it's something where like i have been reached out for, for our books about uh Frasier and cheers like people reach out to me and ask me to come on and i'm always like do you want my co-author to come on for this discussion as well and it's almost like, like my
1: equal partner
0: <laughs> and i don't think you have been reached out to ever first and asked to do something without like the implicit or explicit no. yeah. uh hey is joe gonna come on this too
1: nope nope
0: (laughs) yeah (laughs) and i mean that's uh, on the scale of frustrations that are present in this book like that's just it it, it's it shouldn't be happening it's not as dire as many of the things that elizabeth zott faces in this but it's still like why is this still happening at all this is this is dumb
1: (laughs) it's it's so simple you put both authors on an email but that even that is seen as unnecessary i guess
0: yeah um and I think, like in terms of that tone and that difficulty, um, I, I this is one of those. I, I maybe go back. I may go back and record uh, an intro to this uh, podcast and just say, "Hey, warning: we're going to talk about some issues of sexual assault and suicide, and you know, there, there's lots of triggering things." But the book has a bright pink cover and a cartoony image um, that feels very inviting. I think, but then it's very oh. early on that there is this shocking rape scene. Uh, oh, and yes. Then there's just just overwhelming amounts of loss <laughs> that hit Elizabeth Zott. Uh, and, and so it's, um, I don't know that like the cover sets you up for the tone of the book, but at the same time, I don't want it to sound like this book is an awful read or or like a, a somber read because it is light and bubbly and fun in many other sections as well. I do mm-hmm. not know how it manages these tonal shifts that it definitely has.
1: I definitely picked it up with the cover and even like the back uh, blurb. I just thought, oh, like a a cooking show and dry witty humor. Like, oh, this is going to be a great read. And then you start and you're like, oh, we're doing this. We're in this. (laughs) But it's still a great, fun read. And my cooking show was sounded so fun. I would watch it. But then it just pivots instantly into these emotions and then pivots into these like sad, like overwhelmingly emotional scenes and then pivots right back to lighthearted. And I'm laughing. It's just incredible how she did it.
0: Yeah. And, and like, there's even like we noted before just absolute absurdism. Of this intelligent dog, (laughs) like that's not in the a normal book that you, or at least the tone that this book has in most of the chapters. But somehow it works when the dog is going to narrate a chapter.
1: I didn't love it. I didn't understand why. Yeah, (laughs) we needed the dog. It kind of it it threw me out of the book a little bit when every time, but it also worked. Like I'm not mad that she did it. I just didn't get it.
0: No, I think, it's but it worked.
1: It's, I don't know. I don't know what to think of it. It's just an odd choice. I does there? Has she said anything of why?
0: Um, I, this is not going to shock you, but she had a dog that she thought was very intelligent that was named <laughs> after a number. <laughs> you know how every pet owner thinks their pet is the special one. Yes, <laughs> I, I. That's pretty much it,
1: well, as far funny. as I can tell. <laughs>
0: at least in terms of talking about a dog named 630 she mentioned her dog several times in a couple different interviews that i
1: looked at that's interesting i mean the tone she wrote of the dog in like his internal monologue was perfect it just was such an odd thing to do in a book in this book mm-hmm.
0: yeah be because it, it it does kind of sneak up on you uh, <laughs> when it happens, like oh, okay, uh, that that that's that's a choice that's being made. Like I said, it, it <laughs> more uh, it stood out, but it didn't like distract me or, or pull me out, uh, yeah, too yeah. much or anything. But it, it does definitely stand out as like this isn't what I was expecting right here.
1: And it feels like something that people always know, like the dog was interesting, or the dog. I love some people love the dog, and some people mm-hmm. like I hated it, but it. You know, it's something people remember at least.
0: Yes. Um, One thing that I thought was both, it was set up, but it was also shocking is uh, Calvin's death. (laughs) What happens? Because we do open the book with Elizabeth as a single mom. So we know know. this isn't going to be a long-term relationship, but as their relationship is starting, it very much feels like these people have so many rough edges. (laughs) that this is just going to fall apart (laughs) it's kind of what i was expecting like not that he was going to die but just uh these these people are not compatible with a long-term relationship just either of them it felt yeah uh and so i was kind of because we had that opening where she's a single mom i was kind of waiting for just the relationship to fall apart uh you know for whatever reason uh and then when he dies, and by the time he dies, it's like, oh, they are kind of making this work. It's not like you still feel like these these people should be in a long-term relationship with anyone, which is kind of what you feel like at the beginning. It's like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, Maybe they, not. They have definitely softened up uh, their, their, their respective edges. Uh, and they do feel right together. And when he dies, uh, it just, it definitely caught me off guard in one of those where it's like, why am I feeling so emotional about someone who's not real and has never existed kind of ways?
1: <laughs> it is... The way she wrote his death was brutal. Like, as in, you feel it. in you feel for Elizabeth and that, what she, like, how she's processing it as if it's her fault and it's just... She could have just, like, made it a car accident and, like, just a quick, oh, and then he died. But she just really let the readers have it with those emotions for his death.
0: Yeah. And uh the like the, we we had enough of her backstory about her like completely broken relationship with her parents. <laughs> um and like the the one good relationship she seemed to have had was with her brother who commits suicide because he is gay. Uh and it's like for her to like have anyone, it's like oh, it's like a a reprieve. <laughs> right feels like oh like a little calm in the storm of her life and then because she had found that calm everything is worse when it's taken away from her Um, yes you know it hits so much harder uh when when in when he when he dies um because she had found someone that she could latch on to uh with that um and yeah it's one of those uh character deaths that it's like oh I don't know. I, I I wonder how it's going to be received when the um, I'm sure the I mean this book's been a bestseller, but the miniseries is likely to get more viewers than readers mm-hmm. <laughs> of this book. And I can already see some of the article headlines. <laughs> I'm a angry at the show. Uh, is there anything else uh, that you want to make sure we hit? Um, we we still have plenty of time. I just uh, there, it feels like there's so many things. Like if there's something that you wanted us to grab onto, I want to make sure we cover it.
1: Um, one thing I thought was interesting because you know if people read these these kind of books that they kind of take over um in popularity and like, everyone has unique takes that I never thought of and one friend that I spoke to about this book is um a nurse, and she loved this book because to her, the idea of science and religion and the conversations the book brought in for that was the most fascinating to her because that's her everyday life is balancing this idea of science in the medical field, but like very religious situations as well with um life and death scenarios as a nurse. And I thought that was something I didn't even really latch on to as reading it.
0: Yeah, I do like that revelin uh Reverend Wakely, I think is his name, uh, if I'm remembering right. Um like he, he comes a little bit later in the book and uh <laughs> you can tell it's a very careful character that that's being written in terms of uh he's he's befriending madeline who's precocious and at the library and is asking big questions of the librarian and him but he's also like very very carefully like i i dare it. i am an adult man <laughs> you are a young girl and i i do not want this to ever be possibly perceived in any way (laughs) that is inappropriate (laughs) uh but i there's a moment where um like as a way to kind of gain trust uh she whispers a secret to him and then asks and says that he has to share one secret and we don't hear what he says at the beginning uh uh, you know when, when this exchange happens um, I think her secret, if I'm remembering right, oh, which I'm I, now I'm filled with doubt as I say this. I think it's something about her dad. Um, uh, but but the secret that we find out that he whispered was, I don't believe it. I don't know if I believe in God.
1: <laughs> <Yes>. uh, <laughs> and,
0: and it's just a fascinating character uh, to have. And also, I when he was blaming himself for Calvin's death too, it was just like, oh, th- I mean, th- it is so clearly just random chance that this man died in this way and yet uh because i i think uh humans we we seek reasons and we seek patterns and we seek explanations and that's one of the you know that's one of some of the discussions about god and religion in this book is that that's that's what we're doing but it's something that she does herself is like well i gotta you know it's it can't be random chance it's got to be that i chose to send him with a new leash is is why he died right um and uh she dismisses that kind of you know reasoning uh when it comes to religion but she's living it in her own life uh in in the emotions that she carries um if we were going to try and describe elizabeth zott as a character what are some of the descriptions you would give for her
1: oh my gosh um the first one is stubborn
0: mm, yes and and the book does i I love it when a book makes the same characteristic a strength and weakness for a character and yes it does it very well
1: like i I just love it like you were saying that she wouldn't accept help from calvin even though like she had she needed it like it just it's such a fascinating balance of like you want to do it your own way but you literally cannot but you have to do it your own way and it's just an impossible scenario um determined although i guess that's like stubborn mm, yeah maybe um, it's the
0: more positive version of stubborn
1: <laughs> so, yeah right <laughs> um likable i mean clearly she somehow was likable with the show and women feeling she has, uh, connection charisma, with her right so she's yes that's the word yes
0: it's like uh charismatic from a distance but also hard up close (laughs) it seems like her her navigation of personal relationships is is not a strong suit
1: um sad just Mm -hmm. had a hard life
0: yeah yeah I, i i've that that is definitely uh part of this but not like in a um you know, like she's not a Miss Havisham from, from their dissertations or anything like that. Yeah, it's just there is a weight of sadness that uh, is is part of how she's going through life.
1: Yeah, I was going to say like she's she's just burdened with so many things that she's been through. Mm-hmm. Um, um,
0: I, I think she's she's hyper aware, but also, uh, and this is something that uh, I, I I saw some commentaries that were like is uh is she being written as someone who's on the spectrum because she is so intelligent and knows so many details and sees so many things but also social cues are not <laughs> one of the things that she's really picking up on very well right uh, um, so because she is hyper attentive to a lot of details uh but also um she she just flat out misses. Some of the cues, like her courtship with Calvin, they're both like so smart uh, about so many things, uh, and they have such great conversations. But neither of them is seeing what the other one thinks is an obvious signal that I'm sending out. So if they're not seeing it, uh, they must not be interested in me. Right. (laughs) And they're they're both doing a terrible job of sending out the signals and receiving any signals. um let's see as far as characteristics for her um i she is so loyal uh when she cares about you (laughs) but if she does not care about you she doesn't really like spare a single thought for your feelings (laughs) (laughs) you don't matter (laughs) yes like madeline calvin like she would do anything for them uh but at first with uh walter uh her, her the the boss at the the good boss uh, at, at the tv station the one that gives her the job like she she does not really try and see his point of view in any way shape or form <laughs> as uh, uh as he's talking about right. being being a tv host now eventually he kind of like get breaks through into the inner circle and she does care <laughs> about him and she knows it's going to be hard when she announces she's going to quit like if it she quit in like month one i don't think she would have given a second thought ever to what this would do to anyone else's career or uh <laughs> or what their their reactions would be uh but because he's now in uh you know broken through into this inner layer for her she is concerned mm-hmm. uh you know about him she is also um there's a is it, is it fearless like the way that she's willing to go into walter's boss whose name i didn't write down in the summary and so now i can't remember it but like she's kind of been warned this isn't a great guy uh but she's just kind of uh cold and uh and confident as she goes in to deal with him
1: yeah like the first one he said fearless but she's just gotta do it <laughs> yes
0: and, and like it, it the way the scene is uh is portrayed like even the the boss's secretary is like i could come in with you like whispering and, and elizabeth's on it's like i i'll be fine and we don't know that she has a knife in her purse until
1: <laughs>
0: until she pulls it out yeah. until until he is uh undressing himself to prepare to to sexually assault her uh and then she just pulls out the knife and then and then i think the if i'm remembering right like the chapter ends and it's like an explanation of uh to to walter of why an ambulance is there <laughs> and at first we don't like we literally don't know what she did with that knife uh, and we find out it was a heart attack that he had um, oh that's
1: right that's right yeah
0: yeah, it's like did did she just kill someone? <laughs> we saw we have seen her stab someone, you know, with a with a pencil into into yes. his gut uh, yeah. earlier. So it's it's uh we don't know like what the consequences are going to be at that moment. Uh, it, there's that mix of like, well, I mean, the guy's awful, uh, and is is just behaving in in the most atrocious ways imaginable. So you don't feel bad for him, but it's also like, what are the consequences of Elizabeth's going to be facing? And then we find out he had a heart attack when he saw the knife. It's like,
1: oh, okay, great. (laughs) Best case scenario. (laughs) Yeah,
0: yeah, I do remember that that brief moment of like, oh, is she going to jail? Like, where's this book taking me? (laughs)
1: Like, what's next?
0: Um. Any other uh highlights that you want to make sure we hit about either Elizabeth Zott or about the novel itself?
1: um I do think she's a great mother mm-hmm. um full disclosure, I did read this book while pregnant, which was a lot of emotions on top of that <laughs> um, but you know she's she just does everything she can for her daughter and mm-hmm. does does the best she can for her,
0: yeah. Uh, one thing that I also want to make sure we highlight is the side characters feel so fleshed out. Um, whether it is the ones that we're supposed to hate, like uh, Donati, the the, the a scientist who yeah, takes yeah. credit for Elizabeth's work, like uh, everything that he does, like it, it feels like something a real person would do, <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, and, and uh, working in academia, it's something real people have done. I will just say, uh, <laughs> Mm. um but but he he feels real (laughs) it feels like someone that's really there and and the characters that we love um like harriet i love harriet so
1: much i was gonna say harriet was an absolute gem in the book and felt very real
0: and i i'm trying to remember like i said it's been a couple weeks uh since since we were going to record this and so everything is as fresh as uh it would have been then but Uh, I think we get like character point of view chapters as like new main characters are being brought in or or at least core, core characters are being brought in. And when we get one of Harriet, like looking across the street at Elizabeth's house after uh, Calvin has died. Right. Am I remembering that right? Does that sound right to you?
1: Yeah, she definitely. Yeah. I remember that chapter. She's like describing across the street.
0: Yeah. And it allows us, it's something that's I think really interesting for the author to do because it allows us to both, um, learn more about Elizabeth because we're seeing how she is perceived uh by someone besides herself, but it also um introduced Harriet and we get to see Harriet's world where immediately you know this is not a good relationship uh that she is in her her husband is uh at best negligent, but absolutely there's implications of of emotional and potentially physical abuse uh that are there um and it makes us like when when goes across the street to go see elizabeth and they and they form such an instant bond it's like you you want these two women to work together and and help each other and it like improve improve their situation immediately and it's the same when elizabeth and uh the other secretary uh miss miss frask like actually have a conversation with each other instead of we saw some conversations miss frask had about elizabeth before um where she was at a distance and she was viewing. Elizabeth as kind of a, almost like a gold digger that was latching on to, to Calvin. Uh, but then when they have that conversation together, uh, it, it's like, Oh, like, like it, it almost feels like a getting the team together sequence. <laughs> it's like Elizabeth is getting her, her, her team together. And it's not like to go pull off a heist. It's to like survive life with emotional health. <laughs> it's the, the team that she's she's putting together.
1: That's the perfect description. <laughs>
0: um and so so many great characters uh and and this book um it's i mean it's not a short read but it also never felt long while i was reading it if that makes sense Mm
1: -hmm, mm
0: -hmm. um and it covers a lot of ground uh as you're going through elizabeth's life and it's both a lot of narrative ground about her lot her life but it's also um like so many feelings and like uh like, okay, we're some some moments are almost like farcical in how absurd they get, but then there's also social commentary, and then there's comedy, and there's tragedy, and and we've we've mentioned the absurdism, like like there's so much that happens with within how the story is being told, besides just the beats of the story, that uh it's it, for me it's like a book that begs for a reread <laughs>
1: um absolutely so, yeah
0: so, so it's one i'm gonna have to revisit but now that i know uh like i still remember when i was uh taking my first college course on shakespeare uh the teacher said like some you've probably had like high school teachers who were like don't read the cliff notes like you gotta go live the language and she and this teacher was like please read a summary of this play before you read the play (laughs) so so that you can start paying attention to how the story is being told and not just be concerned with what the story is. And that's uh, what like I reread a reread of lessons in chemistry. I think I'd be paying attention to like how the story is actually being told and um, trying to dissect some of uh, Bonnie Gamus's like moves as an author, uh, as this kind of sprawling life story uh is is being told to us um and, you know how how is she actually literally doing this and making it so compelling when there are so many dark and sad and tragic moments within it
1: mm-hmm. is um is she involved in the miniseries uh
0: the one interview that has said anything about it was she said the advice i have received from every author is uh if you are going to option your work for an adaptation let the adaptation be its own thing and say goodbye to it
1: (laughs) oh that's oh that's heartbreaking meaning
0: like i'm sure she's getting but she's like it's it's not my decision of how to translate this just to to a mini series which i'm glad it's a mini series and not a movie i think that's actually
1: it needs multiple yeah
0: i mean even as much as there's bloat in movie runtimes these days (laughs) i know two and a half hours or three hours wouldn't do it no Uh, um
1: I'm just curious. if if, I just don't feel like they can capture it in a, in a visual setting. You need the internal monologue and the running emotions. Mm -hmm. Um, I just, I, I don't always, I mean, we all know adaptations never hit as well as the book. Um, So I don't always watch them because a beloved one is just not, it's not fun to watch them not do it right in a,
0: yeah, so I, I have series. not gone and rewatched it. I should. There's a trailer out for the adaptation with Brie Larson, um, and I watched it before I read the book. And uh, the one image that I remember from the trailer, which I will say, the trailer, oh, oh my goodness, for a TV series, does this center the book and the cover a lot? <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> like it is the the trailer wants you to know this is an adaptation of this book. Uh, you know, and there, and there's no doubt about it. Um, but the one image that I do remember is Brie Larson dressed in the, in the 1950s kind of housewife attire, which is, must be at the cooking show and just like leaning forward and beating her head against the table, <laughs>
1: <laughs> 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 which does capture the
0: feeling of some of, <laughs> some of this book. <laughs> and, and maybe I will conflating it. It's been a been months since I think I saw that trailer, but that's something that I have in my head at least.
1: <laughs> it fits. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah, there's some parts of this book like because I, I was kind of thinking about that adaptation as I was reading it, and there's some parts where it's like, oh, this this is gonna attract like very like I could almost see like a montage of her being given notes and completely ignoring them while doing the show, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. and and it would feel different than reading it on the page, but it would capture the feeling of that. But there's some sections where I'm like, I don't know, uh, like like the courtship, is it gonna capture that courtship uh, mm-hmm. as well as it's presented yeah. in the book, especially because. Um, Oh, I'm not sure who the actor is. Like, in the book, it is made clear that Calvin is not, like, conventionally handsome. And, uh, or uh, Elizabeth Zott is, uh, like, off-putting, right? And I saw, like, the photo. I'm like, well, these are two conventionally attractive Hollywood types.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's still going to be cast. (laughs) Good-looking people.
0: (laughs) Yes, so I I don't know that's going to, like, capture the exact feeling of the book. But, uh hopefully, hopefully it's good. You, you know, you always have hope and you just kind of accept that adaptation is like whatever's coming out of the adaptation it, you almost have to treat it as its own thing and not say, uh, don't compare. You, yeah, mm-hmm. I, yeah. I mean, obviously some comparison is inevitable, if, especially if you're familiar. Uh, but, um, if you, if you can't go in and say like, I wish they'd done this, like this one page from the book, exactly how it is here. Because it's like, are they leaning to the strengths of film and, uh, television, uh, for the storytelling, Because sometimes if you've seen adaptations that are too faithful, it's like, well, that's a mess.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It just doesn't doesn't work as the film.
0: Yeah. So hopefully it uh, leans into the right strengths for that. Uh, Any final thoughts about uh, Lessons in Chemistry?
1: I feel like everyone should read it. And um, keep an open mind with it. Don't go in thinking you're going to feel one way or expecting, I know a lot of people expected it to be funnier or like they didn't get, they didn't like the humor because they were told it's a funny book or, you know, they thought it was going to be one way and it's this way, but just go in and just enjoy it and just take it all in.
0: Yeah. I I think that's completely very, like, I absolutely like, I laughed while reading this book. Like there are some parts that are very funny, but if I was told this was a comedy, I think i my expectations would not be set correctly which is one thing i wonder about that cover because the cover does feel like a cozy book (laughs) yeah um and uh i mean it's doing fine i can't correct the marketing (laughs) of this book (laughs) but as far as audience expectations it might not be setting the right tone um i yeah like you i recommend everyone go and read this book or listen to it uh, uh of course it's available on audible or uh you know library uh my library had an audio wait list of like five thousand people uh <gasps> so, you know <laughs> oh
1: my goodness
0: get it and they had like 100 copies they were rotating through uh, their audiobook but it's, it's very popular right now
1: i've heard the audiobook is excellent from a couple friends who listen to it
0: all right. Well, that is going to wrap up this episode. Uh, listeners, thank you for joining us. For show notes and links to all the other great dueling Genre shows, you can go to doodlinggenre.com. Also, please subscribe to the, the Protagonist Podcast in your podcast app of choice. And please leave us a review. That really helps us out. We'd like to thank Scott to who composed our theme music. Thank you again for listening, and we'll be back next week to discuss another great character and a great story. So long. Hello everyone and welcome to the Protagonist Podcast where each week we <laughs> no, let me <laughs> wet the whistle and give us a fresh. <laughs>